Sometimes it's very difficult to spot authentic faith in other folks. I'll say that one more time. Sometimes it's very difficult to spot authentic faith in someone else. Today's message, interesting enough, in this series on Abraham, that it is not about Abraham, per se, but this message is about his nephew Lot, who has been weaving in and out of the Abrahamic story since our introduction to Abraham a few weeks ago. But in, 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 in one sense, this message is about Abraham, as it's also about our faith journey. This message is about Abraham, our faith journey, and it's about the people who are close to us and how they affect our hearts and our emotions, those who are close to us, next to us, near to us. This story is also secondarily about Abraham, who, even though he is not the main character, Abraham has been relegated to praying and watching from afar while the threat of destruction and then the actual destruction itself came upon the very place where his nephew Lot was. How can you be this all-powerful man of God whom God has called, whom you have been in conversation with, and then someone that you love is over there, and all you can do is pray and watch. You can't do a thing. Isn't that just the way it is with our relatives? It's just like that sometimes, isn't it? That as much trouble as they cause, as much heartache as they may bring you, you still love them enough to wonder what's going on with them? And will they be alright? That all we can do is stand back from afar and like Abraham did in this story is just watch the destruction and pray and hoping that the one that we love that they will be okay. But again, in this message today, it is Lot who takes the center stage as he struggles with dealing with angels, dealing with wicked men, and then dealing with fire and sulfur raining on the town that has, been come, uh, that has become home to him. And with all this going on again, all Abraham could do is watch and pray from afar. But this is real. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road for many of us. Sooner or later, we come to the conclusion that all we can do is watch and pray. But then we also take uh, this other side of the coin as well. 
that we as individuals that we find ourselves every day in circumstances and situations dealing with people who try to get us to be just like them. They curse and they say lewd things and all along what the devil wants is he wants us to have our testimony compromised. He wants us to look just like the rest of the world. So the moment that you say something, the moment that you do something, the unbeliever then says, oh, I thought you were a Christ follower. I thought that you were a believer in Christ. See, what they want to say is, is that you, your faith is not as strong as you've been telling everyone. They want your faith to be compromised so they can ultimately say that this is why I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Look at this person. Even this person said X, Y, and Z. I heard that said about someone just last week. An unbeliever uh, told me, someone that does not believe in Christ, told me about someone else that I believe that does believe in Christ. Wow, can you believe what they said? I've never heard this in all the years. I've known this person. I've never ever heard them say anything. Wow, wow, can you believe that? And then can you imagine the position that puts me in? I can't uh, defend that. I don't condone those types of things. But yet the idea is that uh, this society wants to taint your testimony. They want to taint who you are so they can have another reason, at least in their minds, as not to believe in Jesus Christ. But sooner or later, that we all must contend with the possibility of being tainted by Sodom. That all of us will at one time or another or consistently, repeatedly have to contend with the idea, the possibility that we may be tainted by Sodom. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. And we're going to begin reading in verse 4. Here we find that Wickedness is not a respecter of persons, but judgment comes nevertheless. Wickedness is not a respecter of persons, but judgment comes nevertheless. Here we go, verse 4. But before they lay down the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, 
Stand back. And they said, this fellow, and by the way, this fellow they're talking about is Lot. Uh, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now, we will deal with worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. You know, darkness knows when light is in its midst. Darkness knows when light is in its midst. The people of that town, specifically the men, knew strangers were among them. Uh, they seemed to be able to sniff out those strangers, those that they thought uh, were two men. But one of the reasons why was because the two men had arrived at the front gate of the city. Right? Let's look at uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Verse 1 says that the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gates of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. Uh, so these men, uh, these two men, they thought, had come uh, into the front gates. But as you know, Sodom and Gomorrah was extremely wicked, as we have, have repeatedly and previously seen in passages. But now uh, their wickedness is escalating. Have you ever thought you've known someone bad? I mean, someone that's been really, really bad. And you say to yourself, can't nobody get no worse than that. And surely they can't get any worse than what they are now. And then they turn out to be even worse than what you thought. So Sodom and Gomorrah was wickedness on top of wickedness on top of wickedness. They were so bad that they wanted to assault these two men. You know, uh, they, wanted to, they wanted to rape these two men. They wanted to rape angels. That's how bad that they were. They realized they were not of them, so they wanted to assault what they thought were these two men. Then when Lot tried to intervene uh, and convince them otherwise, they said, okay, well, we're going to fix you. Then we're going to assault you and make it even worse for you. What happens when you know people are just that bad? In many of our neighborhoods, how people, uh, they have grown silent because uh, they have understood that I know that there are bad people here, and if I speak up against wickedness, that those wicked folks will come to my doorstep and try to get me. That's exactly what wickedness does. It tries to shut your mouth. It tries to get us not to speak up for righteousness. So when the men of Sodom tried to force their way, their way into Lot's place, he begged them not to do such a wicked thing, but instead invited them to assault his daughters. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I found that pretty disturbing. Now, I know that folks say, well, Scripture is good and this, that, and the other, but when I read that, that Lot would give up his daughters instead of those two men, that's just, I mean, it's all disturbing. Uh, let, uh, let's, let's get that straight. It's all disturbing. 
But the fact when I consider that Lot, Lot thought that his daughters was a suitable alternative, I don't believe that's true. This is what I believe is going on here. That not only did these men had it uh, set up in their minds that they're going to assault these two strangers into town, right? And we already said what they wanted to do with them, but uh, not only was that wicked, we all know that that's bad, amen? It's all bad. What they wanted to do to those men, it was bad. Just on, uh, just on the, uh, the basic level, the foundational level. But, uh, but then the fact that it's wicked on one level and then wicked on a second level. That they're going to do and wanted to do some things which is unnatural. This is unnatural according to scripture for one man to do this to another man. Where do you think the term sodomy comes from? They get it out of this passage. Genesis chapter 19. This is it. So not only did they simply want it to rape someone, but then they wanted to do it to men. So probably in Lot's mind, he said, this is like a, 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 a double wickedness thing. I said, well, let's just make it one wicked thing and here, here are my daughters. Well, I don't know why. I, I can't defend Lot. All I know is what the Scripture says. But for all of us, that this is very disturbing very disturbing. Leviticus 18.22. Leviticus 18.22. You shall not lie with a man or a male as with a woman. Right? And the Scriptures goes on to say what? It is what? An abomination. So it is not just bad, or you're not only going to be in trouble, but when God uses the term abomination concerning something that you want to do, you know that it is really, really bad. Now, uh, some folks have said that, and, and, and this is one of the reasons I bring this up and I have to address this, uh, some people have said that, well, you know what, the idea of homosexuality, this is something that the Jews put in place uh, uh, w when the law came into being. Okay? But when we go back to Genesis chapter 19... Was, that, was the law in place at that time? The law was not in place at that time. You see, there are certain things that are natural and there are certain things that make sense according to Scripture. Even the natural law says that it is an abomination for one man to do this to another man. So the idea of this act it is unbiblical that God is not pleased with it so that tells us that somewhere in the heart in the mind of Lot that there was some righteousness there you see that uh, th there was some righteousness in the heart and mind of Lot so which decision was the most righteous to make I don't know what would you do I know some of you would fight tooth and nail I know some of you would have opened up that door and you would have went out over my dead body and it would have been over your dead body, right? Was the righteous decision to let them assault the men or to let them assault his daughters? 
The bottom line is that Lot, he was totally inept at making decisions such as this. Why? Why do you say that? Why would you call Lot totally inept? Because there's one that's missing from the equation. Even though Lot had some sense of righteousness within himself, there was one that was missing from the equation. What do we do when crisis hit? That those of us who have followed Jesus Christ, that when crisis is on the table, that the next thing to come out of our mouth is what? Oh, Lord, help me. Where was Lot? He tried to deal with the situation according to his own wisdom. His own wisdom. This is why I always say you can't wait for a crisis to begin uh, to start reading your Bible. Uh, Don't wait for something bad to happen in your life but you finally say, you know what, I just need to go to the Word of God. You can't wait uh, for some news uh, to come to you uh, through email before you start praying. You must pray all along the way. Because if you don't, when crisis happens, you have not trained yourself and you don't know who or how to call upon the name of the Lord. Because it should be, for all of us, it should be a reflex. Something happens, oh Jesus! And guess what? Not Jesus as a curse word. If something bad happens, it should be, oh Lord, help me! But that doesn't come like automatically. Did you know that? You have to learn how to speak the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about positive thinking, amen? That's not the mess I'm talking about. I'm talking about the reality of the person of Jesus Christ and all the promises He has promised us and we have it in His Word so we can stand upon as our foundation. So this is what I'm talking about. Here is our confession and our confession is what thus says the Lord. So Lot, who lived in that area for a while, imagine that. I'm not sure how many years Lot lived there. But after he lived in that area for a while, he still was not considered one of them. Can you believe that? Remember that Lot had so much stuff that one of the things that he wanted to do was what? You remember that? When there was a a, a strife between him and Abraham, what happened? You know what happened, right? Uh, That uh, uh, they said that we can't live together because you got all your stuff and I got all my stuff, so let's separate. We need to be apart so my stuff can grow and have room. So imagine now, think, think about this scripture. Then why was now Lot next to all these other people in this town? Why? What happened? Remember that when we were introduced to Lot and all this stuff, remember that he also had servants. What happened to his servants? You see, something had had gone wrong in the mind of Lot and it had gone wrong to the place that he decided he wanted to be not just on the outskirts of Sodom, but he needed to be in the city of Sodom. But they never, after all of that, considered him to be a part of their little group. But you know, you have to be very careful because it is very hard, very difficult to work around onions for a long time without eventually smelling like one. 
Did you know that? How many of you know that? Uh, I was chopping onion just the other day. I was chopping and I, uh, I chopped that. I do it bare hands. I don't put any, I know some people put, put glasses on and all this other stuff. I mean, I, I take an onion like a man. Except when it brings me to tears, right? right? Uh, but I take it like a man. I mean, I chop that thing with my bare hands. I know some people, like I said, some people put gloves on, uh, you know, and then I go and wash my hands. But you know, sometimes when, uh, when the onion is so powerful that after you finish working with it, that your hand smells like what? Even after washing it. It smells like onions. Do you realize that when you're around sinful people for too long, especially when you don't know you, who you are, that after a period of time you smell just like they do? So if you don't, Keep yourself nearer to God. If you don't stay in prayer, if you don't read the Word, you will be tainted by Sodom. You will look like them, and you will think that you're a part of them. You will think uh, that you're part of that group, and they're your homeboys. And then when push comes to shove, you will find out that they don't want nothing to do with you. You're not like them. And then where do you go? You try to be just like them and you leave God so you're not like them and you're not with God. So where are you? You have no hope in the world. You have no real fellowship that all you have is you're lonesome. And how many people know that you're lonesome is not a good place to be in? You don't even have the people of God to go to and say, would you pray for me because you left them, not left Abraham. You can't even go to the wicked people because they say you are not like them. Where do you go? Where do you go for your support, your spiritual well-being? You have nowhere to go. But there is a way of escape from judgment if we choose. There is a way of escape from judgment if we so choose. Genesis 19, verse 12. Then the men, of, the men said to Lot, these are the angels. Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law? Sons? You see, they're asking the question about sons. They're asking the question about sons-in-law. Interesting, right? Omniscience of God. Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place. So these angels told Lot, look, if you have anybody, if you know anybody that you care about so much, I want you to go and find them so they can get up out of this city. Okay, you have the whole city, the entire city, anybody that you care about, that cares about you, who's willing to listen to you, I want you to go get, get them. Why? Verse 13. For we are about to destroy this place. Because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters. They're called son-in-laws, but they weren't married yet. He says, up. Get out of this place. I can hear Lot saying now, Eliza, Eliza, bless the Lord. Don't you know these days are, are bored. If you don't get up, you scamp, there's going to be trouble in this here camp. So I, I can hear Lot saying right now, get up, you scamps. Don't you realize there's going to be trouble in this camp? 
He says, get out of this place. For the Lord is about to destroy the city. And they said, okay, uh, okay, uh, Daddy Lot, we get you. Uh, we've been following you all along, right? Uh, th that's not what uh, they said. Uh, but it says, but he seemed to his son-in-laws to be justing. In other words, he says, uh, they said, don't listen to him. He's just telling some kind of joke. How can someone, if you are a man of God, how can uh, someone else tell you, especially if you love the Lord, you've been passionate about him, and you warn them about what God has said, uh, how can they tell you, uh, uh, don't listen to him, he's just playing. If it ever gets to the point that someone tells you when you're serious about the Lord that you're just playing, there might be a problem with your walk with the Lord. If no one never takes your walk with the Lord seriously, you may have a problem with your relationship with God. So before he delivers judgment, the Lord delivers the righteous. I want you to listen to that carefully again. Uh, before God delivers judgment, he delivers the righteous. Okay, uh, you didn't hear me. I, I, I must say this one more time because the implications are for us today uh, that before God delivers judgment, He delivers His people. So in response to the actions of the men of Sodom, the angels blinded those men and preventing them from getting inside of Lot's home. Blindness was nothing compared to what was about to happen to that city. I would say to the Lord, Lord, blind me first before you destroy me. Give me a chance. But, but this was additional proof that the Lord, that he would deal with wickedness. It's just a matter of his timing. So we may look around at our city. We may look around in our neighborhoods. Just wonder, like the saints in, in, in the book of Revelation said, How long, O oh Lord? That we may wonder ourselves, how long will it take for God to finally render judgment? But know that judgment is on God's sovereign timing. Judgment is on God's sovereign timing. Okay? So uh, let's take a look again. Well, let's take a look at these, uh, these wicked folks of Sodom and Gomorrah. Isaiah chapter 1. Verses 10 and 17. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 first. Here it is. Hear the, Lord, the, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Uh, well, who was God speaking to through Isaiah the prophet? He was speaking to the leaders of Israel, but he was calling them Sodomites. He's referring to them as Sodom. Why? Because they were acting like what? Sodomites. I wonder if we have any sodomite rulers in the city of Chicago. I wonder if not just, uh, of course, quite naturally, we see our, our civil leaders who are acting like they're from Sodom and Gomorrah. But I wonder if there's any preachers or pastors or ministers or evangelists or teachers who are acting like they came from Sodom and Gomorrah. He says this, Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Verse 17. 
Learn to do good. Why? Because they were doing bad. He says, seek justice. Why? Because they were supporting injustice. He says, correct oppression. Why? Because they were oppressing people. He says, bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 14. You got to see this. Come on. Jeremiah 23, verse 14. If you can't get to it fast enough, write it down and look at it later. Here it is. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, here they are again. He's talking about preachers again. Amen. Again, remember the warning of the word of God, that you be careful if you want to be a teacher or a preacher, because God will hold you to a higher standard. God will hold you to a higher standard. I, I was just saying, uh, Pastor Scotty shared with me earlier that uh, uh, a pastor that many of you uh, may be aware, most of you are aware of, as a matter of fact, has just passed. He just passed. And, uh, and, of course, we are very saddened to hear that anyone has passed. But when you go back and you look at the history of the entire thing, how, how people uh, within his own congregation, when he did uh, things that God was not pleased with, how his own congregation lifted him up and exalted him when he should have been rebuked. Instead of being exalted, Literally, they lift him up and they put a cape on his back. They exalted this person. And then a few years pass, began to get sick. But then he began to say that, you know, I'm people saying that I'm not sick, that I am getting healthy. That's what he was saying. He kept saying, I'm getting healthy. But see, you have to be very careful what these preachers are saying. This is my very point. See, what he was saying uh, in, his, in his testimony, I saw it for myself, what he was saying was that he was trying to proclaim positive words in order to change his circumstances. See, this is prosperity gospel in the flesh. And he thought that if I said everything positive about myself, no, I'm not getting sick, and instead I'm getting healthy, he thought that that would change what God thought of him. And it didn't. So we must pray for his family, pray for his congregation, because this is a serious place to be in. You know, uh, and I have to say, you know, am I perfect? Because you, you hear me say these types of things. No, I'm not perfect. So if anybody were to ask you, is Pastor Spencer perfect? You better automatically out the gate say no. Just ask my wife. I, I'm not perfect. I admit it. I'm not perfect. However, what God has called me to do, I must be faithful in calling things the way they are. So a full of the picture develops about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Here at Jeremiah 23, 14, he says that they commit adultery, they walk in lies, they strengthen the hands of evildoer so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. So this fuller picture continues to develop. And the people of Israel, they, they knew of the lifestyle of, of the Sodomites, but yet they began to act just like that. So do you ignore God's word? Do you ignore God's word just like Israel? Do you ignore uh, the rebuke of God like Sodom and Gomorrah? What happens to the men who attempted to break into Lot's house was a sample of what would happen to all of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
You know, his son-in-laws, they thought he was kidding. You know, how, how can this God destroy this strong city of ours? Come on. Uh, says, this city has been around a long time. God ain't going to do nothing to this city. I hear people saying that, the same thing about our city. Can you imagine? Uh, Chicago has been around a long time. Nothing is going to happen to this city. Please. You hear those preachers talking about all the wickedness that's going on? Oh, ignore all that stuff. You better not ignore the word of God. Call it like it is. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 31. I bring this passage into the picture because I want you to see that uh, even though those men were blinded, even though all these things had happened, uh, did you, do you not know that a miracle is not enough to turn people to Christ? So you could even have a healing ministry all you want to. That people can rise from the dead. Do you know that that will not convince some people to come to Christ? They still will say, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to believe any of that stuff. Jesus says here what he said to him. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets. What does he say here? Neither will they be convinced if someone should what? Rise from the dead. You see, what he was saying was that the thing that should change our heart is not the miracle, but the word. You see that? It says it right there. The thing that should change our minds and our hearts is not the miracle, but the word. Because if the word can't change our mind, we're not going to believe even what we see. <laughs> Jesus referred to himself, so the wisdom of God is still true. A miracle does not guarantee someone will change their belief system because they have been conditioned, they have conditioned themselves through the snare of Satan and through their own hedonism, their own self-desire. But you have to ask this question, who wouldn't want to be saved from total destruction? Would you? Would you want to be saved from total destruction? So uh, before releasing a hailstorm of destruction, the Lord allowed people who are considered to be righteous to escape. You see this, uh, verses 12 all the way through 21. And this is significant for two reasons, right? Why? Uh, first, uh, the intercession of Abraham had an impact. So God, he would save folks. Whereas the entire city would not be saved, uh, some would be saved. They were lots and the people of his choosing. Verse 12, Genesis 19. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? You see, he gave Lot permission to go find anyone else here that you have that's connected with you who needs to be saved that you could pull with him. And remember that Lot, uh, he had a hard time finding anyone. So here was God's grace that he was again extending the olive branch to anyone Lot thought was worth saving. God is asking you right now. He's asking me right now. If he came back, if you knew that he was coming back tomorrow, is there anyone that you know is worth saving that you're willing to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there anyone that you know, if you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow, how would that change your today? Surely, 
Surely the greatest chance that Lot had it was to convince his own future son-in-laws, his own family, but his own son-in-laws wouldn't even listen to that. But secondly, God seems to remove righteous people out of the way prior to judgment on the unrighteousness of the unrighteous. So in other words, uh, recall the rapture. I know some people don't believe in the rapture, but when I look in Scripture, I see over and over again that what God does, he oftentimes removes the righteous out of the way before he rains down his wrath upon people. Will you be raptured or will you be left behind? Will you come to church and church is about to start and all of a sudden you see Pastor Spencer and and anybody else that God decides to rapture, amen, because I can't speak about anyone else but me, right? Uh, but you see Pastor Spencer, then all of a sudden he's gone. And you're still in your seat looking at your watch saying, when is church going to start? You sit up there waiting. I'm waiting on Sister Deborah to get up, but she hasn't even come into the sanctuary yet. And you may ask yourself, I just saw the worship team standing there. I must have been in the days, and all of a sudden they disappeared. And you're sitting in this church all by yourself. And you're waiting for service to start, not knowing that God had already removed his, his folks through the rapture. So Lot and his family, they were instructed to, number one, to escape for their lives. Number two, don't look back. Number three, don't stop anywhere. And number four, escape to the hills. I have to admit to you, in my younger days, I would have been like Lot's wife. Because you know what, happens to, uh, what happened to Lot's wife, right? Uh, that when it was time for them to leave, and even though they were instructed not to look back, that Lot's wife did what? She what? She looked back, and she turned into what? Now, I know some of you have probably saw this while you're taking blood pressure medication, and the doctor told you to stop eating all that salt. What, what the doctor was saying is you need to get close to Jesus. Amen? All right. Uh, I'm one of them now. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. In my younger days, I would have been, probably would have been just like Lot's wife, and I would have looked back. Not because I wanted to be there, because the curiosity in me would say, I wonder what's really going on. I just, you know, what about if I just turn my head just a little? Uh, uh, God, would it be okay if I just take one little peek? I'm not going to even turn my head all the way. I'm just going to turn just enough to turn my eyeballs that way. But now, you know, if God told me not to look back, I ain't looking back. I ain't thinking about looking back. I'm just going for it. Why? Because I know God's word to be true. So our righteous Lord, he will judge righteously. Genesis 19, verses 23 through 26. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. So we heard last time that it wasn't just, remember, it wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah that was, was destroyed, right? And if you missed that last time, you need to go and listen to the message. But also it was other cities that were around them. It was, it was the suburbs. It was the city and the suburbs. So we found out last time. Want to hear more? Listen to a previous message. But also everything that grew on the ground, that God, he destroyed everything. 
Verse 26. But Lot's wife, behind him, what does she do? Look back. And she became a pillar of salt. Mm, mm, mm. Lot's wife was one person that could have been saved. Why didn't she believe? But this is what God tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So God will provide the way of escape. God gave Lot's wife an opportunity to escape. He gave Lot's son-in-laws a, a way of escape, but they chose not to listen to God. Why? Because when we are tainted by Sodom, it's hard to let go. When you are tainted, when we are tainted by Sodom, it's hard to let go. Let's look at Lot's daughters. Genesis 19, verses 30 and 32. Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in the cave with his two daughters. Verse 31. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. You see, what was enacting was that they had also, even though they didn't look back, Sodom was all in them. Sodom was all in them because uh, they were in a cave. Why not say to themselves, you know, our father's old and there's no offspring to, in order to uh, uh, make sure that our father go forward. So therefore, let's leave the cave and go find us some men somewhere. Wouldn't that be the most righteous thing to say? But because their minds, their spirits had been tainted by Sodom, they couldn't even think past that. They can only think in one direction. When you are wicked, you can only think in one direction. You can take the man out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the man. And let's say that again now. You can take the woman out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the woman unless they have been saved by Jesus Christ. Amen? Unless they have been saved by Jesus. If we're not careful, what the world has to offer may become more luring than what the Lord presents to us. The people of Sodom could not stand in the area of righteousness because they did not have a pallet for it. Could Lot have evangelized and brought many to the Lord? I believe so. But instead of being a light in a dark place, his light remained under a bushel. So when Jesus shines a light on your being tainted by Sodom, listen to him. If Jesus is speaking to you being tainted by Sodom, listen to what God says. Here's a quote from John Elrich from the book that's recommended. And I quote, when we choose to avoid whatever it is God has brought up, 
something in us weakens. Something feels compromised. It is at least, in other words, in its lowest common denominator, it is a refusal, a refusal for us to mature. But it also, when we don't follow Christ, it also feels like a refusal to step towards God. So when God uh, shines a light on your taintedness of Sodom, it is a time to ask for forgiveness and put God's words to action. So one of the major keys for destroying the works of Sodom is to listen to what the Lord is saying and deal with your issues once and for all. This is hard work, I admit to you. It's hard. It's hard. Who wants to do that? It's difficult and demanding. Why? Because this is spiritual warfare. You are fighting. You are fighting. But you don't have to be victimized. You don't have to get caught in that trap. So what I need for you to do is to look forward to Christ and don't look back. Look forward to Christ and don't look back. Uh, repeat that after me. Look forward to Christ and don't look back. One more time. Look forward to Christ and don't look back. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your faithfulness and, and all that you have taught us, all that you have commanded us, all that you wanted us to learn.